Hey, yo, what's going on, ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds, the Wookiees and Wombats, nerds and nature boys, the all-natural. Welcome to Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio. I'm J.W. Basillo. I'm your host. What's good? I feel as though I've been living in a vortex for a week. Maybe you have, too. Mine's a, a, probably a longer story than yours, but how are you? You feeling good? Did you get that thing looked at you were talking about getting looked at? Now, now uh, how about them Cubbies, huh? How about uh, them Liverpool Reds? How about whatever team you like or... Unless you're too cool for sports ball and you call it sports ball because you're super clever and unique. Well, not me. I'm large. I contain multitudes. And emphasis on the large part. Uh, I'm still on the 90 for 90. I'm more than 45 workouts in. I'm 46 workouts in, and I recently gained 10 pounds in 36 hours. Like I went to bed a certain weight. Uh, I, I I had a nice time. I had some I had some beverages. I ate some uh, some Chinese food. I, I just said, you know what? I'm gonna just spend a day. I've been working hard. I'm gonna spend a day doing nothing, and that's what I'm gonna do. And I woke up on the other side of that 36 hours, and I had gained 10 literal pounds. That's right. All it took was 36 hours of throwing workouts and nutrition to the wind to completely undo everything I've broken my ass to compete uh, or to complete in the last month and a half. It's it's a it's a mess because life is a nightmare. Comedian Bill Bullock is in the studio today at the one o'clock hour with any bit of luck. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Just teasing. Uh, lots of foolishness ahead, and uh, there's always going to be foolishness. And where there is busted mouth, there too shall be the rock and roll. You know it, and you love it. Sir. Phosphorescent kicking off the hour. This is, of course, Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio. Uh, you're listening to us every single Monday from noon to 2 p.m. Uh, is the time of the show on Q4.org, QUE4.org, iTunes Radio, the TuneIn app, 1680 AM in Chicago. It's all over the place. You've been here. You've been hanging out with us, and we certainly appreciate you doing so. If you uh, if you enjoy the show and if you enjoy specifically the tunes you're listening to today, you can always find them at the esteemed Busted Mouth Audio Companion. The esteemed audio listening companion. I don't. I don't remember the own the contrived name uh, that I created, but it's the busted mouth esteemed audio companion. I believe on Spotify. It's a free free uh, playlist. If you are listening to us and you want to hear it back, of course you can always find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere else uh, as a podcast. Every single Monday the show comes out. Every single Wednesday the podcast comes out. That's just how it is, and that's how we do the thing. Uh, if you're really digging what you uh, what you're hearing today, and you want to throw a little bit of something our way, we have started a Patreon. Uh, it's, uh, you just look for me, your host, J.W. Basillo, J.W.B. as in boy, A.S. as in Samuel, I.L.O. Uh, look for me on the Patreon. Things start as low as five bucks. Go all the way on up. If you want to support the show and just throw a little back if we're doing something for you that you enjoy, of course, we appreciate you doing it. Uh, if you don't feel like throwing in any money, and we certainly don't uh, expect you to, but if you do want to help out the show, the easiest way you can do so is, first of all, tell a friend. Every day I see, or almost every day, I see someone asking for podcast recommendations on uh, Facebook or on whatever social media someone's asking for. Hey, what are the podcasts I want to 
to check out, maybe throw my name out there. Maybe throw a little busted mouth away. Like, hey, if you're looking for something that's uh, kind of grassroots and local and uh, foul-mouthed and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also, you could write us a Facebook review. Facebook, uh, I don't love Facebook, but maybe you do. I don't know. Go. We have a busted mouth page. Busted mouth. B-U-S-T-E-D-M-O-U-T-H. Take a drink if you're playing along at home. And uh, just uh, send us, you know, send us a little message. Send us something. Uh, give us a good review. Say that you enjoy the show, whatever it is. Or if you're listening on any sort of app like iTunes, uh, like Stitcher, like um, Spotify, throw us a good rating our way. Just say you enjoy it and whatever it is. Uh, we want to continue to grow the show. And those of you that really care about the show want to see it grow and uh, continue to come to you free and accessible. And the best way to do that is just to throw us a little something so we can get ourselves all up in that algorithm, making things dirty. And that sounded worse than it really was. Get up in that algorithm. Speaking of which... How about uh, a little baby money? Let's get this party started. Show. But but anyway, we're here. Uh, it's Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org. You're listening to the Busted Mouth Show every single Monday, streaming live all over the planet, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, of course, streaming all over Chicago as well via the via the uh, terrestrial radio. Turn the radio up for that sweet sound, 1680 a.m. in Chicago. Yes, did I make that reference? I did make that reference. I was born in the early 1980s, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Also, I'm a big dork, and I don't care. So I'm looking for new segments to do with the show, and you know we've done some things in the past, and, and um, so I've been thinking about like with the with the popularity of shows like uh, like The Moth or Mortified, and with there being uh, you know a, a million radio shows with offshoot podcasts, much like this is a radio show with an offshoot podcast. Um, I just want to take a second to to try out uh, something brand new that's kind of in keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, this is called Dear Diary, and uh, this is going to be a new segment where I actually read um, journal entries from my journal. Uh, in the future. So this is uh, July 22, 2029. <clears throat> Dear Diary, after a great interaction with a fan tonight, I realized that I've not been doing a great job of keeping up on this journaling project, so I decided to pick up my laser pen, or a laser pen if you went to public school, just to check in with you. And sure, fan interactions happen all the time, but this one was special. I was leaning against the wall, as was permitted, because I hadn't used up all my non-productivity credits for the week yet, and I didn't mind spending a few extra bucks, you know. I had already banked enough to earn my pence bucks for this month. And I won't bore you with the details, because they're obvious, and everyone already knows how Pence rose to power and declared himself Supreme Jesus fan and replaced the welfare system with pence bucks after abolishing standard currency, so I won't bore you with all that, but there I was, the important part of the story. I was leaning against this wall outside of Marie's, Remembering what cigarettes used to smell like. When from behind me I heard, You're my favorite singer. And this is something that I hear all the time in my line of work, but it's still nice to meet a fan. And I replied, Oh really? That's something I hear all the time in my line of work, but it's still nice to meet a fan, I said. And the fan seemed genuinely touched that I was taking the time to interact with her, so I decided to ask her something about herself. So I asked her, What do you like about me as a singer? I asked, asking genuinely, you know, acting genuinely interested in her answer. Uh, I just love that no matter what song you choose, you're always the best. Karaoke Keith thinks he's hot stuff, but he's no Bastodon. Bastodon, you'll remember, is the name I chose when I had it legally changed when faith-based karaoke was declared the only li legal live entertainment allowed. And, uh, you know, I decided to go semi-pro, but also because I lost both my original name and my married name in a bet. 
Thanks, I replied very genuine-soundingly. And I was thinking about mixing it up next week, I said, going with some DC talk, but who knows, I might just stick with the usual jars of clay. Who is, as we know, the greatest-selling band of all time now? But I don't know. We'll see if I make it in time to sign up next week. I, I haven't totally decided yet. I try to keep it loose. And her gaze, diary, was, was something downright animal. The type of gaze that says, Hey, if I ever get out of this purity belt and they ever unlock your modesty cage, I'm going to smash my center parts into your super hardcore. And I looked at her with a gaze that also belied my desire to feel parts of my own body again, and I just said, Ditto. She said, Ditto to what? Could, could, you, could you hear my thoughts just now? The ones about hardcore part smashing? And I said, Yes. And she just, she looked so grateful. It's always great to meet a fan. And it was just then that the alley door swung open and Larry stuck his head out to say, Bastidon, you have to get back on those crates and slabs of plywood we call a stage before all seven of those people in there tear the place apart. And I knew he was serious. Especially since that incident two weeks ago when I sang Flood so awesome that the fans started destroying the salad bar in an act of pure rock and roll rebellion of the old days. And croutons went everywhere, and it reminded me of Altamont or maybe the beaches of Normandy, at least what I remember of Normandy from that documentary Tom Hanks was in. I was given a gift, diary. And many men in similar shoes wouldn't have been able to contain it before the wild steed of rock and roll and the trappings of local semi-professional karaoke-based fame destroyed it all. It just seems like it was just yesterday that I was starting The Busted Mouth. A show that ended up being so big that I got invited to have a booth at Palm Desert Podcast Fest 2019. And that's how I knew I had made it big. That's how I knew I could achieve anything. No matter how big the dream, I could make that dream my B-word. The hardest part? It's just coming up with new dreams to conquer. I just want to thank God for this gift, and not because the 28th Amendment requires that I do so in writing every day before sundown. But thank you for trusting me with this kind of majesty. Now if you could see your way clear to making sure that I get that promotion at Noodles and Company, I'll never ask you for another thing again. Baz out. P.S. I'm bringing back that thing where someone says out with their own name. Heart is heavier than metal now. My eyes so swollen by the booze. Don't know what I did or how I've gotten here And all I know is that's the truth I want to swing you back and forth Just like a pendulum And let you know this is right <laughs> I'm with that, I'm with that uh, So Bill, uh, give them right up top Why don't you give everybody the, uh, the quick rundown of... Uh, who you are, what we can, where we can find you, shows coming up, uh, social media, all that, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Bill Bullock is my last name. Uh, I'm a stand-up comic and an actor in Chicago. Um, I'm from Chicago originally. I don't know. That's that's like my thing. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. I'm a podcaster. I'm in a band. I, You're in a band. Yeah. Oh, I knew that. I did know that. You're yeah, a horn player, right? Yeah. I'm a horn yeah, player. yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, yeah, I most I run two stand-up comedy shows in Chicago. One is in Logan Square. It's called Congrats on Your Success. We've been doing that show for about five years. And that's the one in our Uncharted books, right? Correct. And uh, that that show landed us briefly on Netflix. So <laughs> I was going to make a joke about it, but now you're already there. I mean, at this point, it's hard to make a joke about it because it's like everybody has talked about it. 
all the time. Oh, no, I meant like if you're looking for it, you know, uh, go watch Easy on Netflix, and uh, Bill is the other black guy on that show. That's right. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the, <laughs> the other black person. Uh, my understanding is that they got a lot of complaints about that, and they're attempting to add more Negroes this year uh. for season three. Um and I was I was super amped. I mean, for you know our, our buddy Odenaka, you know, local uh, uh, one of the co-producers of the show, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So and he gets on the show, and I was like, that's so cool. And I didn't know he was on it. I just was watching the show, and it popped up. Oh wow! So I'll watch anything with Chicago in it. Yeah. For like a minute. I Me mean, too. most of the big network stuff I won't, but like easy. Sure. I, I'll I've it I've watched all. I've watched at least an episode of all of those shows. Oh yeah. And and uh, that's about it for the bad ones. But for yeah, for some wish. Yeah, Chicago over everything. Like, yeah, and I was and I was way into Odenaka getting. I was like so excited that he was on there, and I was like, wow, is he the is he the only black person on this whole show? I mean, there, his, <laughs> there was another one besides me and him, but he was in there for, like, he was a passenger in the vehicle that he was driving. Great. Yeah, that's about it. Good. So that's fun. I mean, yeah. But the nice part about that was that he really did, Odenaka got this part on the show, and he really did send the elevator down for, like, all the homies. Like, yeah, all yeah, his yeah. roommates were in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of our, all of our uh, co-producers on our show were there. So that was dope. That's great, man. Yeah. And I'm sorry to start this off like making jokes and, and, and mentioning another comedian who's not you. Listen, uh, that is uh, not unusual for me on podcast appearances and but, radio appearances. So. I, don't think I, I, don't think, I don't think that's just you either. Yeah, I don't think not so Not at either. all. I and think I, everybody wants to talk about the thing that is most uh, easy to grab onto. Aha, uh-huh, easy. Um, ah. Yes. Mm. Anyway. Fun. So uh, congrats on your successes run, running the Uncharted books, and that's every... The first Thursday of every First month. Thursday of every month, and then the other one is at... Uh, at Beauty Bar, Beauty and Bar. it's a show called Something Else, uh, because it is not Salonathon, it's Something Else. <laughs> Salonathon was a show that ran like weekly for seven years uh, in Beauty Bar in, on Monday nights, and uh, they recently ended, but they left like a huge vacuum because they built such a big community. Like, oh, yeah, no doubt. People just no loved doubt. that show and loved the people who ran that show. And so some of the people who used to be performers on that show got together, and we created some other shows that uh, kind of like live in that vein or are, are offspring of that. And all of the people who were involved in Salonathon like gave their blessing. It was all cute. People cried. So I run a show at Beauty Ball Bar called Something Else. It's the Good. F- fourth Monday of every month, which happens to be tonight. But tonight. If yeah, for those of y'all listening, uh, listening, in, live. listening local, uh, we get a lot of people to listen live through the website, but uh, listening local, of course, 1680 AM and wherever else. But if you're in Chicago, uh, hit us up at Beauty Bar. Beauty Bar right here on, on uh, the glorious Chicago Avenue. Yes, right. The same every one. Monday night, there's a cool show. We're... Uh, Fun and glittery and queer forward and, you know, just like lots that's of cool. progressive voices and people of color and queer people are in, in that space. So it's if that's what you're into, you should come. If that's not what you're into, you should come and learn that you should be into it. Chances are, if, if you're listening to this show, that is you're pretty much it. what you're into. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's that's cool. I'm glad that you got your glad you got the blessing from uh, Salonathon. I mean, that was mm-hmm. such a such a great show that ran for so long. Um, you never know, like when someone does someone else dirty and they're like, yeah. We're just going to kick these new producers going to come in and kick the old producers out. And you never know if it's ugly. And I didn't right. assume it was, no. but I'm glad to hear officially on right. the radio that uh, everyone. Was yeah, good. I mean, they they were done like we didn't. I, we, we, I was asked to create something new like weeks after they were finished. Right, it wasn't right, right. like, yeah, it wasn't like, hey, we're getting rid of this show and we need something better. It was more just like there's not there's nothing happening here <laughs> and there are still people coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were still people like coming to to Beauty Bar on Monday nights, like expecting, like, oh yeah, they said it was ending, but they're still going to do. There'll it. be something. There'll be something here. So we, yeah, we made something there. And now there's them. something else. Something else. Yeah, good That's for right. you. Uh, good for you. Keep Mondays weird, everybody. Keep you know Mondays is the is the best day to get weird. If you're asking I agree. Me. I agree. 
Especially if you're service industry, because tonight's like your Friday. You just party. That's me. <laughs> uh, you don't tell me where you work, but you're you're back in the service game after like being in IT and everything else. For a yeah, while. I was a, an IT professional for like eleven years, and then all of a sudden, I woke up. Not I didn't wake up one day. I woke up pretty much every day uh, feeling like I needed to get out. So um, yeah, left that life and was freelancing for uh, a good year or so, and. Uh, you know how that goes. Sometimes you have like a winter that destroys you and you have to work all summer. <laughs> so. I know that where I go, man, I'm good. I, I like made the nut early, so I'm good all summer and I could just work a couple days a week right. and keep it real light. And then right. I also have those times where you're like, all right, I'm going on tour. Like I had a tour where I went and I had 11 shows cancel. Oh, wow. Because it was 2008. It was like right around the uh-huh. Obama bubble, yep. like when everything burst. So all these venues went under, all like just, it was just one of those like. Yeah, they just didn't have the money anymore. Yeah, or we're just not doing a show anymore. Like 11 shows inside of a tour went down. And I was like, all right. So, which, you know, on a tour, like, translates with merch and everything else, like, translates to, you know, a couple grand that you expect to have when you come back. And you're like, you know, oh, nope. No. Looks like we're in a hustle. Looks like we're back in the bar game. I have to lose money. Uh (laughs) Are Are you behind the bar? Uh, I'm in the kitchen. At, oh, at the word. Okay. Yeah. I've been there. I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm, it's very funny because like you, when you work in a kitchen uh, and you haven't in a long time, you have to like learn a bunch of new stuff, but then you meet a bunch of cool people and I keep meeting all these bartenders and servers and people who work at different restaurants and chefs and stuff. And they're all like, see, you work in the, you work in the kitchen? And I'm like, why? Why is that so weird? And they're like, but you're like smart and charming and interesting and I'm like, <laughs> you have oh, a personality you're saying, uh, tips. you're saying i would get tips if uh, i chose anything besides this yeah i screwed up uh no it, dude it happens like a year and change ago like when my when my whole kind of life fell apart like i first gig i got was a kitchen gig and yeah. i was like well that's what i've been doing since i was 14 and it was offering me a job and you, sometimes like a paycheck and a friendly smile is you, you can't something you can't turn down yeah and that's where you end up this is like a, this ongoing theme for the last couple of weeks has all been like service industry stuff on the show uh not like it was planned it just kind of this no. is just how it's been it's, it's kind of like in the air right now or at least with Yo, the people yeah. i'm i'm hanging around with who you know because there's a lot of people who make that joke that it's like oh you're a you're a musician oh you're an actor so what what restaurant do you serve at you know no doubt they make that joke but it's like that's and the reality is that's true. Like there's a of lot of mediocre artists and has beens and never gonna be's who work in a bar because it gives. But there's a lot of actually really amazing artists who yep. also just work in a bar because guess what? Nobody pays artists what they're worth. You know the band. Uh, you know the band Tortoise. I've heard of them. So Tortoise was. Uh, oh, all right. I'm sorry, indie rock nerds. But anyway, Tortoise was this this primarily like kind of uh, experimental instrumental group, really really cool. And this was the early aughts, and they used to work, uh, and they were on Matador Records. I want to say, yeah, yeah. So they were on Matador, and they just uh, were the bar staff at Rainbow for a couple of years. The whole band, the band just all worked at Rainbow. That's amazing. So it was like they're they're getting write ups in Rolling Stone, and yeah. Monday night they're all at Rainbow. Oh yeah, actually I did know about that yeah. because yeah, somebody brought me to Rainbow for that to, and, and yeah. mentioned that. And sometimes like the most brilliant dudes I know, some of the most brilliant artists and performers are like the guy who works the door. Like I don't know if you ever knew Cameron yep. McGill, but like he's so, such a brilliant songwriter. Yep. He's getting his MFA is you know in poetry. He's about to get like his next book published. Mm-hmm. Amazing, and he's just like the, the dude who read the book at the door yep. you know it's a, it's just how that is man uh it's so, so true so talk to me about talk to me about comedy man uh talk to me about comedy hey would you like to uh take apart a really broad topic yeah uh, with no prompting whatsoever no talk to me about um state of chicago comedy right now man yeah uh 
Wow. That's such a big question, too, man. Yeah, I, no, I don't know that. how to jump into it. I got a couple more specific things that I want to talk to you about. But also just um, comedy's come into this big uh, – it's, it's the – I think it's probably the tail end of the second stand-up boom. Yeah. I'm guessing tail end. I don't know. I mean – Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I, I feel like – I mean, maybe in Chicago there's been a boom that's like you can feel it kind of like, oh, if you didn't get something out of this boom, you kind of missed it, right? Yep. But – it's not the same as the first boom, right? The first boom was a, a, a situation where, like, stand-up comedians were getting, like, enough gigs all the time that they could just make, like, a decent living because they're just working in the clubs, right? Right. That's not really how it's working now. It's more like, you, yeah, stand-up is more visible than it's been because of, like, Netflix specials and Comedy Central, like, 15 minutes and half hours and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of... Like, just working every night doing stand-up, you're not making any more money than you were before. It's just, like, people are actually paying attention to stand-up comics more, and, and it gets us a lot of other things, I mm-hmm, think, is mm-hmm. what's really happening. Yeah, and I think that's, that's kind of what I meant by the second boom. Is that, I mean, if you're familiar at all with the history of comedy, which, you know, you and I are certainly dorks about this sort of thing. Sure. Uh, the, you know, that early 80s boom... That first, like, wow, people know what stand-up is. People right. are just talking about stand-up. Stand-up's on TV. Stand-ups, right. are, stand-ups are just getting holding deals straight out the airport, yep. right? And that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then, um, and then, of course, like it, that, that bubble sort of bursts. Like, it, it just, a few comedians, you know, c- comedy clubs continue to be comedy clubs, but a lot of the clubs closed, and right. people weren't just looking for comedians right. anymore. People, people aren't people, just walking out the door going, like, I'm going to see some comedy today. Right, right, right. And I feel like we're in that, we're in another boom where people actually know about comedians, are following up on comedians. Yeah. I mean, stand-up's not going anywhere. It's always going to be around, but it's not, but now, like, Netflix, every time you turn on Netflix, there's a new, new special. special, yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it's it's cool, man. I feel like I'm right on the cusp of it, you know? Like, in Chicago, it's always been like this, where people talk about improv. They talk about Second City. They talk about I.O. Sure. And that's perfectly okay, but that's not what stand-up is or where it lives in right. this town. Right, right, um, Which is fine, but it's just, like, it's just not what it is, right? And so, but there's always been this this very burgeoning stand-up scene in Chicago that's just as big, I think, in terms of like the number of people who are interested in it and doing it and mm-hmm. watching it every night. Uh, and yeah, now there's a- enough stuff happening in Chicago, TV wise and movie wise, that a lot of the people who have been involved in the stand up scene for a long time are like getting opportunities here or getting opportunities in New York. There's a lot of stuff happening in New York for Chicago people right now. Which is well, yeah, sure. I mean, do you think do you think that there's enough audience? I mean, this is something I was just talking about. I think you're the last time I had a straight stand-up on was when I had Whitney in, uh, Chitwood in. And, uh, oh, I love her. Yeah, who doesn't love Whitney Chitwood? She's great. Uh, the raddest. Uh, but also, um, I think we were talking about, like, is there enough audience right now for the number of shows? And the, the parallel I was making was there was a time in which story, like when storytelling, the moth, all that kind of stuff was mm-hmm. really popping in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that there was not enough audience to support all the shows. Right. And do you think that's the case here? With, do you think that's the case with stand up? I mean, obviously, some shows do better because some shows are better. Right. I mean, I think. I think that stand up is still a niche thing. Right. Like, it's definitely still a niche thing. But. At least in Chicago, man, there's millions of people here. Like, if you can't find an audience, I think that's probably just as much about, like, your ability to promote your show and whether your show is actually something that people want to see than it is, like, if there's enough people. Like, I don't think that all the shows in Chicago are directly competing with each other, especially if they're on different nights or if they're in Mm -hmm. different neighborhoods. You know, if you're not in the same venue, (laughs) you know what (laughs) I mean? Like, 
I run that show at Beauty Bar. That there's there's a, there is another comedy show in that venue on a different night of the week, and you know maybe maybe people feel like those are competing, but I don't. I feel like the people who go to that show used to go to that show when it was at a different venue in in a different neighborhood. So if if I'm running a show and they go to my show on Monday, see a completely different cast of producers mm-hmm. and hosts, and then go, well, I, I don't need to go to that Thursday show anymore because. I saw the one on Monday. And sure, like, sure, yeah. We do a totally different thing. So if that's on us. That's our problem if, if they can't differentiate between our shows or if they don't know about both. So what's the difference? So, like, what's the difference between a show that, that does well and a show that doesn't well? Do, a show that doesn't, doesn't well. Doesn't I well. I speak English all the time. I've been crushing it all day on this mic. Uh, but, no, the, the shows that do well, yeah. right, it's not just... Are there good comics? Yeah, right. That's it's that. I wish it was that. No, easy, I right? wish it was that easy because I've <laughs> run so many shows that have failed that have <laughs> good comics. So, so what's the difference? Like, what's the difference between a show that really, that really, that pops? I mean, if if quality is is already the baseline we're talking about, right? Yeah. What's the show? What's the difference between a show that pops and a show that doesn't? Well, this is something I've had to learn uh, recently. I think is that. Um, Sometimes it's just like when you're like, I don't know if you ever had to like sell cookies or candy bars or any of that mm-hmm. crap when you were younger. Uh-huh. It's like the difference between saying, well, you don't want this candy bar, sir, do you? And, hey, I have these awesome candy bars for sale. Would you like one? You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's okay. just that in the promotional strategy of some of these shows. That's the thing that I've noticed where it's like there are certain shows where it's like, well, we run a show, so you should come to it. And there's this like. I mean, comedians are kind of egotistical, right? So sure. there's like this notion that, like, well, if we just put together a show, people are going to come because we're f- hilarious, and if we're funny and and we have the right people on the, on on the cast, then people will just show up, and then they, they don't promote it, or they assume that they should just promote it to their friends who are also comedians, and that only works sometimes, right? Like, if other comedians come to your show, that's cool, but they're going to see it a couple times and be like, I'm good, or I didn't get booked on it, so now I'm mad. Yeah, and sure. And I want to do it. And so you got to have it. you got to build an audience. you got to build a community, man. you got to build a community around what your show is, and they'll bring the people. That's, how, well, that's, that's what Solanathon did. I mean, that's what congrats sure, on your sure. success did to, to some degree. Um <laughs> My friend Rebecca O'Neill, who's one of our co-producers, uh, original co-producers on that show, she was just a promo wizard. Like, she just knew how to get people around that neighborhood who lived nearby. Basically, people who lived within walking distance of where the show was <clears throat> just came to the show. And then they came to the show every month because it's like, oh, that's what we do on the first Thursday. We walk to the, bo- the bookstore or we walk to the, you know, liquor store, buy some beer. Right, sure. Because it's BYOB. Right, right, don't right. tell the cops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Isn't everything BYOB? Yeah, if you don't tell the cops. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it also didn't like motive and opportunity. It didn't hurt that uh, the sto- the show started right when every comedian in the Midwest moved to Logan Square, like that week. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say that show. hurt. Yeah, that that right when uh, the gentrification hit its critical mass before it tipped the, the over S curve yeah. economics of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, yeah, of course it doesn't hurt. It's it just sometimes it just is that simple. Like, yeah. well, sometimes everyone's a promoter is doing the right things. And they have a good uh, good host in a good room and a good right. everything and sometimes it just doesn't just doesn't click and then yeah. sometimes you get shows that just pop because they were and i'm not saying that your show was like that and I, I know that's not the case right but there are some times where it's just like man we just went in the right spot at the right time and yeah. it just so happens that boom right you yeah know. i mean you gotta put you gotta put work into no uh being consistent too that's the thing is that if people are going to see you, it's because you're being consistently out there, which is hard when you're a person who is like, I have so much anxiety and I hate advertising. 
and I'm a voice actor who does. It's weird that you're the one comedian that uh, that that feels that way. No, I, I, of course, <laughs> but I'm saying like that's what. <laughs> no, all of us are like I hate people. I don't want to go outside. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to stand around and like tell people why my thing is cool. If, yeah, yeah, if I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's cool unless they show up. Right, right. Because the best show, I think you're absolutely right. Like the best shows I've ever done. Uh, we're never in front of four people, right? But I have done great stuff in front, in front of, four of four people, people, right? Like it doesn't make the show bad. It just means somebody somewhere along the line didn't get the message out. And if people weren't standing on the chair, like you know, taking off their shirts and whipping them over their head, <laughs> Petey Pablo style, I'm like, this show's much, this show sucked. That this must have been boring. I must have been terrible. Yeah. People weren't uh, giving me a backflip and standing right. You always and, you always find a, re- a way to blame yourself. Like that's course. real. Yeah. Um. But yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. At the same time, it's like. Just being a known name on the club scene, which is not easy to do anyway, sure, is not enough. You can't. You could run a show with your name on the front of it, but if you ain't been on TV, even people in your neighborhood don't really know exactly what you're doing, especially or whether what you're doing is actually as cool as you say it might be. Right? That's the thing. Congrats was around for five years or four years before it was on TV, and then it was on TV, and like people who have I have known since before I started that show who have never come to it but right, have always right, right. talked about it to me were like, wow, you, you're like doing this thing. It's like really cool. And I was like, yes, it's really cool in the neighborhood. Uh, where have you been? <laughs> now you see it on TV and it's like, this is on, it's, it's at a bookstore, dog. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, it's not actually that cool. It just, it's the people who come to it that make it cool. I mean, yeah, and it's a, it's a cool show and a cool spot in, a, in the, in the uh, quote unquote coolest corner in the city right <sighs> you know this to be true i know roll I mean, your eyes all you want no i'm i'm rolling my eyes because i don't live there anymore <laughs> <laughs> why you had to move out too yeah 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 they, they i got priced out Ever? of there last who year who didn't yeah who didn't man it's, and, it's it's so cool that you can't afford it you know what i mean yeah when i first visited lo- i was first looking for my first like i'm a grown man right i'm barely out of high school i'm getting an apartment 2002 i saw logan square and was like nah it's a little much for this is a little much for me. I'm I'm not I'm a little too light in the ass for this. So you know, uh, and then you come and then I came back like in '09. I was right. like, ugh, I hate this neighborhood and this meh, meh, meh. And I moved in. I was like, you know what? It's kind of all right over here. That's, That's why I moved in around it, then. Oh nine. I'm like, it's 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 kind of okay around here. And then within four or five, five years, years, it was like, man, everyone's got to get out. It tipped over because there were all these like cool underground venues and yep. like. Spots where you can like go in some house, basement of a house and there's just like a party happening that you can't even tell is happening from outside. And the drinks were still cheap everywhere. Everywhere was cheap. It, sometimes you'd walk into a bar and uh, it would just be a bunch of Latinx people and the music the, the music would literally scratch when you walked yeah. in with your white friends. Yeah. I'm black, by the way. Uh, this is radio. <laughs> sometimes people can't tell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'd walk in there with your white friends, and they'd be like, "Hey, three tecates for me and my friends," and they're like, "That'll be forty dollars." <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, can I have water? That'll be fifty dollars." And you're like, "You want us to leave? Got it? Heard no, you? No, I got you. That. All right, good times, good hey, times. See you later." I used to go out with my, with my with a friend that you and I both know, and he's like, "We should go into this uh, corner bar, uh, this one place, just that that straight Chicano bar right around the mm-hmm. corner." And I'm like. Yeah, you know what we should not do is do that. That's a good way to uh, have an uncomfortable night yeah, at like, best. Dude, I, I'm not trying to fight. He's like, I'm not trying to fight. I'm like, it's not about whether or not you're trying to fight. Sometimes you walk into a bar. And they you, don't want you there. Yeah, with a, you know, <laughs> with my buddy who's like this yoked black dude. And then like his, his 
neck bearded hipster friend next to him and like right. you know let's this is not a recipe for getting it's, getting it's, a good night ahead it's of gonna us. Co- yeah it's gonna come to blows <laughs> it's gonna come to blows uh hey let's um I've been I've been sitting on this for a minute. Mm-hmm. So you sent me a uh, you sent me a track that I want to yeah, play. Yeah, I heard that you were queuing it up, and I was, I was like, "Oh, I like that song a lot." How'd you know? Because it's because I, I literally sent you an email saying that what song? <laughs> I figured like let's get this not out the way, but like let's. I, I really want to talk about this. So mm-hmm. one of the things you know the shows obviously we talk about music, we talk about comedy, and not a whole lot in between. Um, <laughs> but like those are the main two things that we talk about. What else? Is and there? Uh, yeah, really. So Sex. Uh, uh, we get there too. Tj so Tj Medell was in last week and he was like uh yo cue up this paramore song i'm like you gotta be kidding me so i played paramore last uh-huh. week um which i never thought i would do but this is uh this is this is oh, the tune TJ. you sent me you know tj right yeah the dude the human air horn he is yeah he is very much like hey here we go every second to be every second of every day yeah yeah, and he's just like that on mic too, which is great. I just keep turning him down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it was such I had a fun to lean episode. All the way if you didn't, back in my chair. If you didn't get that one, uh, lean mm-hmm. it on back. Check it out next week. Uh, but let's play let's yeah, play this tune that. this tune from Little Dragon. I'm gonna leave your mic on. We'll talk about it. Okay. I love this song. Why why this tune? Well, first of all, Little Dragon is just like they put me in the zone. They always have. Um. Like, listen to the lead singer's voice, man. It's just... It's silk, man. It's silk. Um, From Gothenburg, Sweden, of all places. Yeah. You ever been to Gothenburg? No. I went last year. I'm not bragging. I was just like, oh, I looked him up. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about Little Dragon. Yeah, so great. I look him up. I was like, oh, I was just there. Yeah. The song, I mean, can we talk about... the? Getting high, okay. I get, Anything you want. This is like a song that I just like. I get high when I'm I walk to the coffee shop and put this on, and it's just like I could go. I could literally walk forever. It's if the this soundtrack. Song is yeah. Oh, okay. I, I got could you. literally float down the street forever on this song. Um, they have another song called High that is also the same way. It feels like getting on your bike and riding through the just park chilling. with your best girl. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like that. I used to have um I used to have like a, a, a playlist of TV on the radio songs that I would queue up when walking yes. out the door depending on how I felt that day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, and this you know the song's called Fortune. You know what I mean? And it makes me think of like every do- every time I leave my house and I'm trying to like hustle. I'm trying to like go, but it's not a song about that about that like hey we gotta hustle today. Yeah. It's just like all I do is win, win. Yeah. yeah it's like. It's about you know, just getting your getting your fortune. It's like getting. Sometimes it, it's always good. Sometimes it's always bad. But it, sometimes it's in between. You know what I mean? I dig it. It's so not anything that we would normally play on the show, but I dig it. What do you normally play? I don't know. Rock and roll. Okay. Yeah. That's some. There also sometimes you get weird stuff that that you play. But, uh, a lot of Paramore. Sometimes Paramore. Uh, that was cool. That's Little Dragon. Fortune yeah. is the tune. So what kind of music were you into when you were young? Oh, man. Rock and roll, mostly. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, it's weird because my dad is truly a music person. Like, he was into everything. Like, he listened to Bach sometimes. He listened to Tupac sometimes. He listened to a lot of 70s music because, you know, obviously. Sure. Uh, and I got a lot of different stuff, you know? Like, I love Christopher Cross I do. I love Christopher uh, Cross. I bet you and do. And I got such a long way to go, such a long way to go. I love that song. I do. And but like also, you know, I like hip hop and I like 
um, classic rock like CCR and stuff like that because that's what that's what was playing in my house. There was always music in my house. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine too. Mine was all like Motown though. <laughs> so that's yeah. all the stuff yeah, I knew. Totally got that too. I love Michael Jackson. I love 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 uh, uh, that Detroit sound. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's weird. I, I I have such an eclectic taste from moment to moment. But when I was a kid, it was definitely a lot of like what was popular on Q101. 101 WKQX. Shout what out to Kevin Kellum, you know DJ. Because um, we're about the same age, right? Yeah. 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 One, yeah. Q101 was like the driving force behind everyone's adolescence yep. if you grew up around here. Yep. Uh, your lipstick is calling. Don't bother, Angel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was definitely in that phase, too. I listened to a lot of... Man, I listened to everything that they played, and I was like, "That's me, yeah, alternative black kid." In the, in the su- <laughs> were you the alternative black kid? Well, we moved to the suburbs when I was like a preteen, oh, so it was that's like, weird. so it was like my teenage formula, or you know, formula, yeah, 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 whatever the word is. I'm yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> Formative, yeah, that's cool. there. It is. That's the word. <laughs> Formulaic works too. I, so I say words out loud on stage no for doubt. money. Yeah, uh, I know. Every time I misspeak, I'm like, yeah, I do. That people pay me for this. So you were the uh, you were the formative, the uh, alt black kid. Yeah. What suburb? Jinko jeans. Uh, I was like 170th in Cottage Grove in South Holland. Oh, okay. So like, and that's funny because that was a an uh, the south suburbs of Chicago aren't like the north suburbs, right? A uh, very different place. Yeah. Um, but when I moved out there. It was definitely like, oh, this is a lot more white people than I've ever been used to seeing because I'm from the South Side originally. Sure. And then they all like over time, like white flight, just like they're like, oh, no, the black people are coming. And then they move out and then more black people come. It's ironic, idiots. Uh, (laughs) And then you look around and you're like, oh, we have entirely black suburbs. Yeah. So that's where they're at. Um, And, you know, but but at the time it was like, oh, yeah, Jinko jeans and chain wallets. And does this Mm -hmm. make me who I am? No, it doesn't. Uh, but that's, you know, I thought I was a skater kid, didn't know how to skateboard. Well, I was just talking about that. I, I don't know who, we, I don't know. I, my brain is melting, but no, I was just having this conversation about how when I was that age mm-hmm. and it was Jinko jeans and chain wallets yep. and, uh, 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 Pacific Sunwear esque oh, t-shirts, God, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, right. And you, you would wear, and you would right wear now. the, uh, you'd wear the Stussy shirt and you do the whole deal and you're like, eh, and your pants would sag. Yep. Um, the, and then the pants sag thing came back around. But yeah. like, but outside of the suburbs, like it came right. like with young black kids were wearing like the set. Now you see the saggy pants constantly. It is weird how different that. Yeah, but how it's the like same. skinny jeans that yes, sag exactly. as opposed to giant jeans. That it's sag. like you're wearing your jeans and you're like encasing both of your legs like sausages next to each <laughs> other because they're wearing the jeans like mid thigh. Which right. like look, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm. Not, I refuse to turn into. In my 30s. I'm in my mid-30s now. I'm not going to turn into guys like, why won't these kids pull the jeans up? And it's like, come on, man. Like, (laughs) We wore saggy jeans because other kids wore saggy jeans. Yeah, because it was dumb. But you have to grow up and be dumb. Like, You have to just complete. You have to be pot committed, in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm wearing these sagging-ass jeans. And then you become 35 and you go, man, that looks stupid as hell. I mean, I I luckily enough had uh, in my mid-20s some, I don't know, some woman, some, some, some person that I was attracted to. Uh, say like, hey, you're wearing skinnier jeans than usual. I really like the way your butt looks in those. And never, just never looked That's back. It. Skinny jeans. I never wore on. baggy jeans again. <laughs> That's good. I could never, even when I was thin, I couldn't get my legs in the skinny jeans. Yeah, because I got these big like sausage fat legs. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> My, my waist is skinny, but I can't get well, the legs. I mean, yeah, I would get the the biggest pair of the sure, skinny sure, jeans yeah, yeah. that you could get back when I. I mean, I lost a lot of weight, but like in the, in the last couple of years. But yeah, even when I was like a little bit in my 
IT, you know, sitting at a desk every day, right, right. a little bit thicker in the thighs. It was like, yeah, whatever I can get around that. Cause the skinniest thing I could possibly get over these haunches uh-huh. is what is what is about to be real. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So you were the you were what do you listen to? Ugh, that's not the question I wanted to ask. Uh, so you grew up, grew up the uh, grew up the alt black kid, rock and roll that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. What point did it shift for you away from that and into kind of your own personal? That's a good question. Um, I think like in my mid twenties, like twenty six, twenty seven, I kind of you 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 were kind of party to this i think when we first met sure because like uh our mutual friend angela introduced us and at the time that i met her i was kind of like trying to relive 22 forever <laughs> oh okay from like 22 <laughs> to 26 i was like i'm 22 still i'm 21 still and i just kind of like to to the point where i was like dating only people who were that age still like, oh you were still dating i young. kept i kept getting older and they kept they saying kept saying 22. the same age yeah uh Gross. but then around 26 i had like a you know with that mid that no, quarter life you. crisis kind of thing been there. and uh yeah i don't know i think i i, I never really like I never like abhorred my own blackness. I never really was like self-loathing in that kind of way. But it was just like where I ended up at the time when I formed my identity, quote unquote. Sure. I was just surrounded by a lot of white Catholic kids, right? So mm-hmm. then I went to college with white Catholic kids. And then people just thought that like, oh, he hates black people. It's like, nah, I just talk like this now. And <laughs> the black people around me think that I don't remember where i came from so when i come back to where i came from they just make fun of me for being where i came from until i leave again and then i realize oh there's a whole community of black people that have dealt with that exact thing oh yeah and usually when i see them at the party full of white hipsters in logan square i go why is there another black guy here i thought I'm i was to be your the black, cool black friend guy. yeah and then you realize that is the craziest <laughs> thing that is such a crazy thing to do you that's doing so much violence to your own identity sure and eventually some some uh, group of queer black women that I know around the neighborhood, because that's who's always getting me together, yeah. uh, they they kind of pulled me into this scene of other kind of like, whatever. They're, black people are not a monolithic, you know, uh, society, right? Like, they're, like, our culture is not monolithic. Um, but, yeah, it, it brought me into this, like, scene of other black people who kind of had a similar vibe, if not the same kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, hey, man, like, yeah, I like Kendrick, but I'm not out here, you know, listening to trap. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure, I'm yeah. not in the hood. I live in Logan Square. Like, that should be enough to let you know what kind of thing I'm doing, you know? And once you find that community and you find the commonalities you have with those with, with those people, with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look what you do to I, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh, uh, you know, you find the commonalities you have rather than, like, the things that are different from you and your community you find you you start to remember all the things that are not different and and i don't know oh it took me years but over time it's like oh yeah i'm black as hell like (laughs) i'm I'm so black it's not it's not a a question so do you think that part of your identity is uh speaks to your comedy or your comedy's formed by that i think it is now for sure like especially lately especially in 2018 man like you can't get away from it i've been talking a lot lately about um like challenging this midwestern and i think more just like a white american notion of like if it's a problem but we don't talk about it in the room with the other people that it's a problem with and it's just not gonna be a big deal 
but everybody's being passive aggressive because they all hate each other because there's this thing in our past that none of us really wants to talk about. Like, you ever had a friend or, like, a frenemy Mm -hmm. who, like, did something to you, but you see them every week and they won't ever apologize for that thing that they did, but but you know they know. You know that – I know you know that I'm mad at you. Sure. About something that you actually did. And if you just apologize, it would squash the beef real fast. Right. But every time I see you, you don't want to talk about that thing. You want to talk about everything but that thing. Uh Uh-huh. So how does that... That's slavery. That's... (laughs) (laughs) That's slavery. That's what slavery is. I mean, no, but I just mean that's how it is. That's how white people... So that's what I... Like, when I'm talking about race and stuff, like, that's where I'm coming from with it. I'm, like, trying to present to... The people in the room, mostly women people, uh, in in the on from the comedy stage. I'm like, I, all I want to do is talk frankly about this thing that nobody wants to talk about. And just because I have this personality, that's funny. But what I'm trying to get y'all to do is understand that the point that I'm making is, you can't just sit, you have to talk about the facts in the room sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening in front of you, you just have to speak freely about it. And that's where I'm at. That's where I fall with that stuff right now. So there's so there's definitely a, a certain amount of universality that you're. There's a lot of ground you're covering, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a lot of ground you're covering. Right. Because sure. of not only who you are, but how you look uh, and and the rooms that you're typically playing. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, are you doing a lot of – are you doing south side rooms, west side rooms? I mean, I would. I, but that's I'm not, not – I'm not – that's you're not, not really, the scene I've, yeah. I fall in as much uh, just because it's, like, not where I'm at. You know, like, physically, it's not where I am at a lot of times. So I don't get seen in those rooms, which means I don't get booked in those rooms. I should probably just go to those rooms more. But do you to want to? Do you feel yeah. like you have to? No, I don't feel like I have to. I mean, I feel like I know what I'm doing these days. Like, I feel like I found my lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to occupy every lane. But I am absolutely interested in, in comedy of all different lanes, right? Like, there's people who do things that I just couldn't ever do. And I love their stuff because of the thing that they do that I could never do, right? Like, you know, you see someone like Sarah Sherman, and she's obviously not black or from the South Side, but she does something that is like, not, it's not for everybody. But when I watch it, I'm like, A, I like it, and B, there is, I could never be jealous of anything you get in your career because I literally cannot do what you do. And the same thing with, like, a lot of people on the South Side. Some, some, some people that I see out here, you know, are just like, like Corey Bird Bell, I think is a hilarious stand-up comedian. She's so so funny, and I had her on my show recently. And it's just like whenever I see her, I'm like, oh, this is just an energy that I couldn't possibly have. Sure, like, even at yeah. my most energetic, your energy and mine are just different, and I love that. And you know, that's fine with me. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm finally as an as an adult, I guess, in a place where it's like, I think I found my voice, and that's cool. Like I like that i like that i found my voice and i like that if my voice isn't for certain rooms then that's cool because that means that those rooms have yet to be available to the types of things i'm trying to get across sometimes you know sometimes it's just like oh this is not the type of room for that right but like i'm not political but i'm definitely like i got a lot of opinions about things so what do you what do you go to the most uh in terms of comedy, yeah, because you're not a setup punchline guy. Nah, I'm a, more of a storyteller. Right, like more. I definitely talk to people about stuff that has happened to me and my very loud opinions about it. Right, sure. Like, yeah. Um, you know, right now I'm talking a lot about gender and a lot about feminism because those are things that I care about. You know, I grew up in a in a house that had some violence against women in it. You know, like, and so that stuff matters to me. Um, 
and not only that, like my identity, if my gender identity is something that is evolving as I get older, right? Like, and, and, and what that all means and who is a woman and who is a man and if anybody is and all that kind of stuff is like stuff that I think about a lot. So I'm going to talk about it because what else am I going to talk about when I get on the stage? It's like me because who, who else's perspective do I have? <laughs> and I think that's, and I think that's a really important thing to, it's a really important place to get because I'm not a stand-up, but mm-hmm. I've spent more time for a non-stand-up. I've spent more time in stand-up rooms than most human beings. Yeah, um, you, you, I've been to a lot it. of shows, done a lot of shows, whatever it is. But like stand-up isn't my lane necessarily. Right. But it's something I can. It's a one thing I can do, but it's not my lane. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you feel like uh, do you feel like what you're what you're doing right now is is filling a, a, a need? And I know that's a big question, but. A, a lot Damn. of times, like you know, you get the you see you see an artist work, right? Yeah, and you're like, man, when you saw Janelle Janelle Monet came out with her most recent record, right? Right, and everyone was like, we needed this. Like mm-hmm. for some, everyone just it because people knew how great Janelle was, but like there was just something out there that was like filling that need. Like the first time you saw, um, I don't know what whatever comedian that was re- that really does it for you. Like there was there's that uh, that need you have as an audience member. You go, this person touches something that nobody else is touching. Like, do you feel like you're doing? Yeah. That? Um, that's, I mean, I feel like if I answered in the affirmative to that, it would make me sound like an incredibly egotistical person. With that said, yes. I'm asking, man. Uh, (laughs) But I'm asking. No, no, for real. With that, with that said, I do feel like I'm in a place where, in my life where like, I am so sick of people just like casually lying, just like, you know, the casual (laughs) lies that people put out in the world. You mean on stage or just in general? Just in general, just in regular conversation, just like the casual lies that people say to make themselves feel comfortable or to like to to make uh, themselves look cool in front of other people when it's like, that's not what is actually happening. You know what I mean? That I that I stopped doing that. I've tried to stop doing that in my day to day life. And that's bled into my stage stuff is that I want to be. I'm doing this thing right now that I'm calling quote unquote radical sincerity where it's like, even, even if it makes me look vulnerable in a way that some people think is not cool, Mm -hmm. I'm trying that vulnerability on purpose and I'm trying it around topics that people don't normally talk about like mental health and, and, uh, gender equality and, um, you know, racial equality, but I'm not, I'm not saying I have the best ideas. I'm not Ta-Nehisi Coates. I just, want to talk about it i just all i want to do is talk out loud about it Mm -hmm. and for some reason if that if that resonates with people i think that's a good thing right like if that resonates with somebody in a way that they weren't expecting it to like i know you might not be the kind of person who wants to talk about that stuff yourself but if you sat here and listen to me talk about it and your eyes got big and you're like how are you saying this out loud that's I feel like I did my job, right? Mm-hmm. And I want that to be the case. I want to have this like casual philosopher kind of thing going on. Okay. No, and I think that's real. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have someone I'm asking more questions than I typically ask, but uh I like would you that. would you rather have someone uh think would you rather have the the people overarchingly think that you're a good person or that you're funny? Oof. Uh <laughs> man, that's a hard it's question. Set up, but I want to know. We're just talking, man. Like, there, there, I, it's not, it doesn't have to be a binary. I mean, we're just talking about it. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be a bad person anymore. Of course. Like, I don't. I don't want. I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens around uh, growing up male. Like, you know what I mean? Like, growing up male, whether or not yeah. be, being being we, a child who's raised as a boy. We were raised to be monsters, right? 
that that is just like I have to undo that. I have to unpack that, and I have to undo that because if I don't, I'm I'm dangerous. I, like I find it dangerously easy to fall into patterns that you know the t- the previous uh, the the previous two men who have held my same name, <laughs> you know, my father and my grandfather have fallen into right, and they just and I I. On some level, it's weird. My dad always said, I want to give you a better life or more choices than me. And then I made some choices that he didn't necessarily love, but he gave me the opportunity to make those choices. Like, he never had the choice to just stop being a full-time, you know, career person and do his art. My father's an artist, too. He just isn't doing it, right? Because he raised four kids. I I thought you meant Notre Dame. Uh, Well, what? (laughs) (laughs) Now, my dad actually likes Notre Dame a lot. <laughs> I was messing with you. You know, when I'm, I made some choices that my father wasn't proud of. Notre Dame, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. No, I'm messing with you. I'm my sorry. dad loved the fact that I went to a brand yeah. name university. Uh, it, is, it is a good brand. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. So you, you're unpacking that. There's that, that part of your life, and you feel like that's important. I guess, not to derail everything, but I guess the question becomes, like, is there any, to me, having people think I'm not funny mm-hmm. hurts my feelings way more than people thinking I'm just a jag. I, yeah, for sure. I think that's true. And I, I'm, ugh. but are you the type that you you just got to be liked? Like you just want people to like you? Nah, it's more that I want to do. I want that the I want to do the things I want to do first. Like I want the things that I'm changing about myself and the things that I'm talking about out loud as I change those things about myself on stages to be funny absolutely but i'd got to do it anyway okay so if it's so if you it's i hope that people find it funny i hope i'm charming uh please please like me yes for sure but i gotta do it anyway and sometimes a lot of times the things that i I have this whole thing about dogs and slavery uh that white people hate because they love their dogs so much more than (laughs) black people um but you know what i mean like it makes them uncomfortable i say it all the time on, sta- on stages and off stages, I try to have this conversation about dogs and people just don't want to hear it because they think that it means that I hate dogs. And it's like, no, but see, do you understand how when I say I don't actually have any negative feelings toward the animal, but I hate dog owners and the way that they treat, especially black people who don't like dogs, like it makes me feel and maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm wrong, but this is how it makes me feel when I watch a person holding a dog on a literal chain, telling me that the dog loves being on the chain and that I should also love the dog because look how much this dog loves being on this chain. It's like your dog would run away. If you let go of the chain, your dog would run away. It's just like slavery. It's just like slavery to me. And it's so challenging. You know what I mean? Like no, it's, uh, yes. it's one of the most challenging things I've ever like written down or said out loud into a microphone. Are you doing the bit currently? I mean, I'm 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 kind of dancing around you're the edges work, of it. You're trying to work it out. Right? There's a whole no. I mean, right now I'm kind of dancing around the edges of what I talk about in it. But like, when I talk about it, I go into it. Like, sure. there's a whole thing about like, yeah, my dog, my dog has like uh, separation anxiety, and I'm like, no, you left your dog in a box when you went to work, in a box full of stuff that your dog can't use to eat or pee. <laughs> Your dog thinks it's in solitary confinement. Your dog doesn't have separation anxiety from you because it loves you. Your dog is singing Negro spirituals in hopes that any other dog might. You ever notice how some dogs howl and howl and howl when when their owners are gone? And then other dogs howl back? They're singing Negro spirituals to each other. One day we're going to get out this box. You know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> We're going to run free in the fields. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Oh, I've never felt more like I Byron Allen somebody, but I'm so <laughs> glad I did because that's a good bit. It's true, though. Like but people create, don't want to hear that. Well, you create these dogs, and like they, they only exist, and you, you create a world in which you, they cannot exist without you. Right. Where they need you so and bad. Then you, and then, you, and then act- you just take it away from them and go, oh, they love me. It's like, no, they're afraid they're never going to eat again because right. you took away their instincts to and eat. And anybody who points that out hates dogs. Yeah, it's I, like, I, maybe I, I think that dogs should be free from you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's really frustrating when people do things like have a fundraiser for mental health facilities for dogs in a city where <laughs> they closed all the mental health facilities for humans no and doubt. no one fought it no one fought it at all well, not a single it, well, it was person. all in because neighbor, it was all in neighborhoods that nobody that we were able to avoid for long enough right until white people wanted to start buying condos in uptown and then and they're like but then, why are there so many people up here right why are there so many homeless people in uptown because they lived in the mental health facilities that you're building your condos on now yeah i lived up there when they were closing everything and it was just like this and we're wow this got went went dark quick but it felt like it was this just like zombie nation out here it, it's, just like it this. is and i go where where did man what happened these it's like people oh, well, just they, don't have anywhere yeah. else to go they closed these two methadone clinics on my corner they closed whatever else and you just go like ah there's no way to win there's really no way to win nope there's and, no winning and then at unless the same, you're white and then you already kind of like you're pretty much you're in the you can speak on it yeah i mean we're, look we're not going to deny privilege because because yeah. this isn't that kind of show right Some but people it's still like do of course they still do. Not this show. Like, not here. No, not right? here. But uh, I try not, to, not try not to do that. It's like, it's, it's really, really tough when you want to, you want to be a good person. Right. Just to get back to this, like, you want to be a good person, but, like, is being a good person more important than being funny to you is not, I'm going to really tie this up. Is, I believe in I'm you. A, it, but it's also like, I want people to think that I'm funny. Yeah. More than I want people to think that I'm a good person. Because I can, I can have people mm-hmm. not think I'm a good person mm-hmm. and still get work. Yeah. It's like white privilege. I guess so. I guess <laughs> no, so. It but, isn't. It is not. I mean, no, but I mean, I guess it kind of, there is something to what you're saying. But at the same time, that's a thing that I f- have felt for sure. And I am definitely like actively trying to flip that on its head now because of all of the, like the Me Too movements and all sure. that kind of stuff. It's like, <clears throat> I'm very worried a lot uh, often about making decisions that might change how people think about me or like treating people certain ways that might make them feel different about the type of person I say I am on stage. And I've been questioned about certain, certain friends that I keep or certain actions that people have seen in Mm -hmm. in the streets that were, where they're like, well, you say you're like this on stage. I just want to know, are you actually, do you actually believe in that stuff? And I want, I absolutely want first and foremost for people to know that I believe in what I'm saying. I'm not out here just like using the words of progressives to get brownie points with progressives because that is a thing. But oh no, of course that's. A but thing. also, it's a it's a thing that doesn't actually work because people are not stupid. I mean, people are stupid, but like certain people are smart enough to figure you out when you're doing that stuff, right? And so. But that, but the progressive thing becomes its own. And I'm sorry to cut you off. But like the progressive thing becomes its own set of high school cool. 
Like to me, it can. It could be a lot of like, well, who's the most progressive? Who's right. the loudest? Who's the this that? And I'm just like, I find mo and most of my close close friends are hardcore like restorative justice, yeah, social justice. Like yeah. this is what they do. This is what they live for, right? right? And I still go, hey, look, all of you are annoying, and I want <laughs> nothing to do with you. I'm like, That's I fine. I'm like, I agree with you, but do we have to be like such children about it all the time? Yeah, and 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 there needs to be. Something behind it, right? Rather than just saying that you believe, because because when it happens in the room in front of you that some, you know, idiot fascist person says something loud and wrong, okay, you aren't going to be the one to stand up and be like you believe all the things you believe, and you believe to that you need to stand up against all the things that this person is saying in this bar, but you're not the person who's going to get up and. Or are you, the, are you the person who gets up there and says something and shuts down that person and then has to go to Facebook and be like, let me recount what I did? Today. Sure. Maybe there's that. Too. That's that's what I have beef with. The yeah. people that are, oh, that yeah, are strictly that performative in their allyship and their whatever it is. That's what drives me insane. Right. People that are like, I would never hit a woman. And that's your Facebook status. Like, You're not supposed to. Right. Dummy. Like, why? Why do you need to post this? You don't get to. You don't get to. Like, congratulations, dude. Like. Yeah. That you never hit a woman. Now, let's talk about all of your friends who would. <laughs> right. Or uh, who would. And then you would just be like, well, you don't know him like I know him. Right. And I've, I, you know, listen, I've had that. I've had that exact thing. Right? No doubt. Like where yeah. somebody is like, well, you say you're a feminist, but what about this person and what they have done in the past? And it's like, well, first of all, I wasn't there or party to that at all. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person who's like, we can't use the same tools to solve every like problem. It's great that we are like one of the first generations that can really talk about like yo, men are just raping women everywhere, like everywhere they go. Yeah. And yeah. it's still happening today right now. And it's not even an argument. It's not even an argument. You can't argue with it. It's just happening. And we're the first generation that's been able to kind of be like this is happening in the workforce, in the entertainment industry, in the blah 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 and we're going to say it out loud. Our our reputations or this this dude's ability to kind of tank our lives after we call him out be damned because it has to be it has to come out it has to come out and and there's more of us than him right like so Mm -hmm. if all of us say we don't stand for what you're doing anymore all your power and your money or all your standing in the scene be damned but that's not the same thing as hey you know sometimes people make mistakes and they need to be held accountable for those mistakes but they don't need to be banished like weinstein does so you agree that there's a gradient of course, there's you, a gradient to everything. Okay. Everything's well, not every, but not everybody agrees with that. I agree. I know. I, that, that, and that's what I'm saying. I'm 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 a person who's very much like where I'm falling on this stuff these days. Is like if we banish everybody who's ever done anything, then we don't have a community anymore. We're sure. just all a bunch of individuals who are who are proving uh, how progressive we are by how many people we've banished from our lives, and that's not necessarily useful. Like it's yep, yep, yep. Well, because I was gonna, then we don't then nobody trusts anybody. Exactly. So, which is why I, I have this. Uh, I'm just gonna. You know what? I'm gonna burn this bit. I don't care. It's not a bit. I'm not a stand up. Uh, <laughs> it is, but I'm not gonna do it anyway. So I have this idea that like we have. You know, there's the purge, right? Mm-hmm. There's the twelve hours in which everyone can commit all the sins, right? All crime. Is what evil. if we had even murder? What if we had like the social justice purge? Where, like, for 12 hours, everyone can call out everyone that's ever done something oh wrong against them. Yo. We call everyone out for 12 hours, and then at the end we go, all right, let's all go back to putting up pictures of kids. Actually, I'm, I kind of am into that idea a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And here's why. Because 
if there is a freedom from the stigma of bringing stuff up and talking about stuff when it happens, then it might actually go somewhere somewhere closer to actually like a, a, you know sure. addressing the issue. Because make no mistake, I I am not out here saying like, hey, sometimes guys, especially because we're talking about dudes, um, predominantly sure, yeah, yeah. Sometimes guys just make mistakes and they should be able to. No, they should be held accountable for it. And sometimes that means that they have to make public statements about it in a way that they might not have expected to and and but that's not the same as being like a systematic abuser or harassing someone sure. for years oh, yeah, yeah. or or chasing people you know like you know what i mean like like stalking people and stuff like that that's not the same thing and those people also need to be held accountable in a different in a much more you know like yeah. in a much more yeah, yeah. concrete way sometimes it's like we need to have these conversations out loud and maybe if we have like a purge situation where somebody can be like, actually, this person did this. In when I was seven, this thing happened and we could just do everyone just rattles it. So it's all out on the street. So it's out there because if it's not out there. I understand that sometimes people don't want to talk about stuff because they just it's not. And you don't have to. And no one can make you. Yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not a story I want to tell. I just want to live with mm-hmm. the consequences of it and, and keep on with my life and not relive it over and over again. That's chill. I get that. But, yeah, it's like it's so hard if we can't talk about the things that people do to each other out loud to each other, then how can we ever hope to find a solution to get those things to stop happening? If we can't even say out loud what is happening, how can we ever hope to fix it together? Agreed. I'm with you. So I'm kind of into this idea a little bit. (laughs) But, no, I don't. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of these people who's like going to like prove how progressive i am by how many people i can say i don't you know mess with that you don't mess with anymore yeah uh but i don't mess there's a lot of people i don't mess with anymore of course on top of it of course i will never there are a lot of comedians that i'll never look at the same way again after hearing stories right yep and then there's some comedians i go you know what still funny i think Mm, but i'm not I'm not gonna hang out to with their show. Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna hang out with that dude. He's funny, but like, I'm, you, he's not gonna ever out? be someone who is my friend. Yeah, and there's, I mean, I also think there's a difference between you. There's a difference between like your Cosby's, right? They're just that's what I'm atrocious, saying. Atrocious, right? right? And then your Louis C.K. types, where you go, uh, yeah, here's a guy who came out and apologized and admitted it, and it's like maybe he just goes, I'm gonna step away but and he, try to maybe and do the right and thing. You know what? In, in lieu of actually like giving a real like I'm gonna fix this apology I'm gonna apologize and really try to fix this if he's not gonna do that him saying actually I'm just gonna go away for a while and not make you have to deal with me at all I'll take it you know what I mean like I'll take that yeah actually it's I, something. I, nobody's gonna put you in jail over what you did Louis but like if you just if you feel like in I just need to go away and not be around because I did something and nobody's going to be cool with me about it because now it's out there. Cool. Good. But then like, you know, even down a level below that, you know, you, you get something like what, uh, uh, Aziz did. Sure. And again, no one's going to put him in jail for that. Cause he didn't do anything. He didn't break the law. He didn't it break was any just law. Not cool. It was just really messed up. Yeah. Like, don't, that's messed up. Like, don't it's, do that. It's, you, it's not cool. You weirdo. Like, why would you do that? Why would you feel like you needed to do that is what it really Well, it's not even a matter to. of need and everything. I just think that, like people get, especially dudes, right, get fixed on an outcome. Mm-hmm. And they get, a, they get uh, this is the outcome. This mm-hmm. is where we're going. This is what's happening. And then they, they kind of blind themselves. And this isn't right. But I think there, there are a lot of dudes that get locked into that sort of thing. And frankly, women too. Yeah. Uh, not only women, predominantly men. Right. Uh, but like they're just – 
It's just not cool. It's not cool to treat another person that way. Right. And it wasn't until I think a lot of people read that and took a minute to absorb it and go, and oh, internalize man, I've it. probably done that. Right. Because that's the thing about, you know, look, if you are, uh, if you were heterosexual or had heterosexual sex at any point in your life, you, you've probably dealt with this on one side or the other side. No doubt. Like, I, I can say that that's like there's been questionable consent moments in my life in college, especially mm-hmm. like you, you end up doing things. And I think that anybody that this is a, like I'm, I'm thinking of one specific situation from my life. And I believe that that person and I are totally fine. But I look back at that and I'm like, if if that person wasn't fine or l- discovered five years later that they needed therapy about it, I wouldn't. Be like, well, I, who are you? What are you talking about? This is all a lie, and you're trying to discredit me. No, like I would be like, okay, I feel you. Yeah, like I was, I was not cool there. And on the same, we token, were just both so wasted that like, there's or, no way if you if whatever, you woke up the next right? day and said like, this shouldn't have happened. I don't have an argument against you. Yeah, is what it basically yeah, yeah. boils down to. But it's also happened. Like I've been. Uh, there have been a number of situations. Right, why are we doing? All right, we're doing. We this. don't have to do this. What, no, 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 we're doing this. So there have been a number of situations where someone came back to me later with a woman, yeah. right, and came back and was like, "Well, that woman assaulted you," and you're like, "Nah, that doesn't happen. That's not real." And that's the thought I had, right? Yeah. No, that couldn't have been it because I, you know, I was there and I probably and someone's like, "No, no, this woman describing what you just said." That is, if that were flipped, yeah. If that were flipped, it would. Definitely, How would you feel about it? I'm yeah. like, I'd feel pretty bad about it. And you're like, and that's what happened with you. And I was like, man, huh. right? Yeah. And that's and that happened, especially when I was on the road. And since we're getting dark, I mean, since we're getting there, we're like, I was on the road, and there were a lot of times where I'd be out there, like, yo, I don't want to sleep in my car tonight, right? Or I don't want to sleep in this grimy motel. Oof. And a woman's like, would you? You can come back to my place if you need a place to stay tonight. And you yeah. Go, yeah, I need a place to stay. Yeah, and you you you're, you're polite and you're all that kind of stuff. And then there's some pressure on, it and you just kind of go, well, well, yeah. And think about how many women have to do that every day. Oh, exactly. So many exactly. More. And 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 so it's you, you're right. So we got we have to be the kind of people who can talk about it. Is is where is where it boils down to for me. Right. So I I don't think. <clears throat> Just to put a final finalize this, like I don't yeah, think that do I that. don't think that Aziz needed to have that business out on the street for him necessarily. I don't know if it was fair in the way that it was set up and, and whatever else, but I do think that it it did more good than harm ultimately. Yeah, and I think with the, that story the person the person who told that story is her story to tell. Yeah, it happened to her, and she felt like she didn't she didn't ask for him to be fired. She didn't ask for him to be uh, uh, arrested. She just said, "Look, man." Like, this is what you did, and I'm not going to pretend that it didn't happen. And from what I'm told, she wasn't even the one who was trying to tell the story. Like, someone heard about it through the grapevine. I heard a heard a heard, and right. then chased her down, and then finally she's like, Well, it's probably good that she, yeah, that she went through. Well, it's good that she went and did it herself then, because it, it, you, you probably know as well as anybody knows that, you know, sometimes when a scene gets a hold of your story and it can turn into a whole thing, yep. you never wanted it to, yep. even as the person who is potentially victimized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I what I what I don't like though is the people who are like, well, why are we throwing Aziz under the bus? There's so many worse predators out here, and it's like nobody's th- he's not under a bus. He's still got his job. He's still rich. What about the person? What about her? Like, sure, sure. She's also getting thrown under the bus, and she's the one who got hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So right, I hate that stuff. I'm so, with anyway. you. Let's change it up. Let's bring it home strong. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, I noticed you not cursing this whole time, which is great. I, I respect that. Uh-huh. Comedians are generally good about that. What's your favorite non-curse curse word? Oh, man. Like I use uh, – gotten, I've gotten creative lately. I use things like, uh, you know, jag, jamoke, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. 
Uh, I, you know, just as just because it sounds funny sometimes, I like to say that things are butt. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about this the other day. Yeah. Like, ugh, that's butt. Yeah, that show is so butt. You know, it's, like, it's real booty in there. <laughs> Booty was like a uh, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I got a friend from Detroit who's like booty. Everything was just booty. Yeah, because like, we were kids. He's like, well, we were kids. We weren't allowed to curse, so it was yeah. just like, oh, it's booty. Your face is booty. Your breath is booty. Everything is booty. It works. Yeah, it's a good one. It works. All right, worst show you ever did. Oh man, um, hell, I did a comedy show. It wasn't in Chicago. It was just it was like in the in the suburbs where it was just like I, we got to this bar. And I could tell from the second we walked in that there was not a single person in that bar who knew that a comedy show was coming. And they certainly didn't know that a comedy sh- show was coming uh-huh. from somebody who looks like this. <laughs> uh, and it just was. And there was only like eight you know, dudes in this dive bar. There was not really a stage. It was just a, it was just a two, two by fours in the mm-hmm, corner. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, you know, five foot by three foot. How'd you get booked on it? Uh, someone who, someone who I know who lives out that way, uh, who, who comes to Chicago, he asked me if I wanted to come through and he would pay me and all this stuff. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And he did, he paid me road he, gig for money. You got to take yeah, it. Yeah. He, he, he paid me. It wasn't like, he didn't make, he didn't make money off that show, but he paid me what he said he was going to pay me. Uh, and I got out there and I did 20 minutes to three, four, five largely ambivalent white men the from the suburbs. Four dudes' heads, huh? Yeah, and it was just like, all right, well, I know I can do 20 minutes now. Bye. <laughs> it was like that. So uh, That's good, man. Unfortunately, we got we to gotta call it. Uh, yeah, once fine. again, you've been listening to Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org, streaming all over the world on the iTunes uh, radio app as well as the TuneIn app, and uh, Q4.org, like I said, is where it is, 1680 AM in Chicago. You can, of course, find us all over the place. Uh, Bill Bullock has been my uh, my guest. It's, I'm really glad you came in, man. Yeah, thanks for it's having me. It's a good me. conversation. I'm, it, glad it probably was, I'm glad I didn't oversleep this time. No, you did well. You did well. You're, you're here, and... Um, we're here every single week. You can always find us, uh, except for next week is Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, the Improv Group. Oh, Matt Damon Improv. Oh, yeah, I know them. I was like, you got Matt Damon? Matt, I was like, yeah, that's right. I got Matt Damon for real in my Matt little Damon improv radio show. actually great. Yeah, they're great. So they're going to be in next week. And then the week after that, we are actually uh, off for the week because I am going to be in London, England. Cool. Whoop, whoop. Nothing I did to earn it. Just saying I'm going to be there. Uh, all, all kinds of good stuff is happening. Find us online, bustedmouth.com, uh, jwbacillo.com. Bill, real quick, plug your social media one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at billrbull. Bullock. B-I-L-L-R-B-U-L-L-O-C-K. That's the one I use the most. Twitter and Facebook both suck. I'm, I pretty much am Instagram only these yeah. days. That's all I do. That one sucks, too. We just haven't figured out what it is But you know what? There's, it it's, it's a more positive place. Agreed. In general. And yeah. I dig it. I like pictures. Yeah, Here's find me pictures. on Instagram. That's how, you, that's how I mostly post Me, too. And I post most of my stuff there, too. You can find us all over the place. Thanks so much for being here today. This is Cadaver. Pale Blue Eyes. going to take us out on Q4. Radio.